Welcome to our fourth episode of Talking with the Hawks. I'm your host, Timothy Walsh. On this podcast, we usually talk about social-emotional learning and mental health. Now we are going to take it to a new direction with our special guest, Mr. Joseph Brown, the CCS Food Services Director. Good morning, Timothy. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Well, good. I'm happy to be here. Happy to join the Hawks. I'm happy that you joined us. So today we have a few questions for you. So many people might not know what you do. So what exactly does a district food services director do? So ultimately my job is to help the people who provide you with breakfast and lunch. Uh, Miss Cindy in your cafeteria and her team do a great job of providing the students at Hiltonio breakfast and lunch. And I work with the people at the Central District to make sure that they have the right food, the right materials, uh, everything everything they need to be able to do a great job for you. Um, I've got a huge, uh, I shouldn't say huge, but a big team. Uh, between all of our schools, we have about a little over 300 people that help support our students within the district. And we provide around the district around 60,000 meals a day. So it's a lot of meals to a lot of students within Columbus City Schools. Yes. So, now, this is a personal question for you. Certainly. What does a healthy diet look like? So, I guess it depends on kind of uh, where you're coming from. And, uh, you know, there is really no one-size answer that fits that question. Um, There are items that healthy diets do have in common. Um, Healthy diets emphasize fruits and vegetables. They also include whole grains low fats and and protein. A healthy diet also includes lots of water. You want to avoid non-nutrient rich foods or empty calories. Also remember that a healthy diet is only one part of a healthy lifestyle. Um, So remember, exercise not only keeps you healthy, but it also increases the number of calories you can burn. So that means you can eat healthy food. So... Another question we have is, what are the five important elements of good nutrition? Well, there, uh, all the stuff that goes into your body uh, can be lumped into five big buckets called macronutrients. Each of those can be broken down further into micronutrients, but that's pretty technical. And if we were going to get into that, we would have to get our district dietitian on the uh, on the line to answer. But ultimately, um, there are a number of ones that fit in. The first is carbohydrates. Uh, this is our first source of energy. Um, and it's where most of the energy that you use throughout the day come from. Next, you have protein. Protein is another source of energy, but it also allows your body to operate in top shape. Protein, one thing to remember about protein is it not only comes from meat, but it also comes from beans, peas, nuts, seeds, eggs, soy products. Um, So there's a lot of good sources of protein out there. Third is fats. Um, Fats are your backup energy supply. There's healthy fats in items such as vegetables, excuse me, vegetables, nuts, seeds. And that's very important as uh, people grow and it aids in their development. The fourth item is vitamins and minerals, um, and there are a bunch of them. They make sure your conti- your body continues to operate like a well-oiled machine. 
The best way to get all your vitamins and minerals is to eat a colorful plate of fruits and vegetables. And the final one is one I talked about before, and it's water. It's reported that about 60% of the human body is water. Therefore, it's essential that you drink water all day long to replenish water that uh, comes out through sweating and different things like that. Yes. So, another question we have is, what is the most important vitamin, and what are some good sources to make sure you have enough of it? Well... Picking the most important vitamin is hard. That'd be like asking your teacher to pick what the most important student is. Uh, they obviously love them all. The easiest answer, I guess, would be to say vitamin D, especially when we're talking about students, because it is so essential in growth and development. Uh, the best source of vitamin D is dairy products. So you get that in your milk. Um, oftentimes in our juices, like we have a score fortified, so they have vitamin D in them as well. Um, cheeses. Uh, other items like that. Um, another great source of vitamin D is the sun. Um, so, you know, being outside is very important. If, if you're locked in a basement all day um, and not getting outside in the sun, makes it that much harder to get vitamin D. So get outside, get in the sun. Um, you could also say whatever vitamin you're lacking is the most important. So the easiest way to combat that is to eat plenty of fruits and vegetables. Yes, I agree with that <laughs> completely. So why is overhauling your diet a very bad idea? Well, I guess it depends on where, where you're coming from, uh, whether it's a bad idea or not. Generally, uh, we all have some room to improve when it comes to our diet. I'm a big fan of moderation. Uh, if you want a cookie, you should be able to eat a cookie. That doesn't mean you need to eat the entire package um, when one will do. Back to diets, though. If you're overhauling your diet, I think there's some important questions you re really need to ask yourself. Am I replacing the foods on my diet with healthier ones? Um, to overhaul or change your diet and not replace things with healthier ones um, obviously doesn't move you in the right direction. Um, one of the things that people often don't ask themselves is that can I sustain this diet for a long time? Remember, changing your diet is not the same as going on a diet. Um, you often hear, especially adults, that they're on a diet and they're eating less or doing something different. But is that really sustainable long time, long term? A long term di uh, diet change might be something like, you know, I'm going to eat more fruits and vegetables every day. Um, and then finally, is it going to provide you, you enough energy at the times when you need it? Um, you know, you as a student have to be have enough energy to be prepared to learn in the classroom. And if you're tired in the morning or early afternoon because you're not eating enough of the right foods, then that diet's not going to get you where you need to be. So again, you need to make sure that you have enough energy at the times when you need it most. Yes. So this is a question I actually asked uh, Miss Cindy about because mm -hmm. uh, we met a while ago. Yes. And uh, how many calories are in the average uh, CCS school lunch? So the average Columbus City Schools middle school lunch has 650 calories. And we don't get to decide that as a school district. That's based on guidelines that are established and monitored 
by the USDA or the United States Department of Agriculture. Yes. So what guidelines did Michelle Obama set for uh, district-wide uh, food and statewide, not even just statewide, like uh, Federal. nationwide? Yep. So, and why cannot, and why can't you go against them? <laughs> well, so Mrs. Obama did a lot of good things, um, and although there are differences of opinion, Mrs. Obama championed the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act that first went into place in 2010. Uh, so this has been in place since before you were in school. She did this because childhood obesity is an, was and still is a national problem, and she's passionate about helping children. That act changed what many students see in school lunches. It requires more fruits and vegetables. It required that grains, like bread and pasta, be whole grain. It restricted the type of milk we serve and the amount of salt in the food. So as a district, we participate in the National School Lunch Program. We need to adhere to the guidelines set up by the USDA. The USDA provides the funding that allows us to offer free breakfast and lunch to every student. So in order to cont continue to provide free meals to our students, we need to continue to follow those guidelines. And ultimately, those guidelines are set up to, to provide students the healthiest meals possible. So although there certainly can be some debate about this or that, um, ultimately the intentions are to provide better health for our students. Yes. So how can changing minimal foods in your diet go a great distance in your health? So I, I love this question and I love this idea. Um, I always would recommend small changes. And, and why? Because small changes are often easier. And it's a proven way to build good habits. Try things like eating vegetables one more time a week or eating one piece of fruit a day. Try something like eliminating soda or a sugary snack at night. Little things add up quickly. Earlier I talked about making changes that are sustainable. Small changes that you build on help make things more sustainable. So I absolutely agree. Uh, little changes are the best way to get to having a healthier diet. If you're going to say one day, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go from point A to point, to point Z without stopping at B, C, D, E, F, and G all the way through, um, it can be very difficult and it might not be sustainable. By making those little changes, you help make things sustainable and better for you in the long run. Yes. Yeah. So we kind of took a little bit of a survey in our library and uh, cafeteria. And uh, we have a little bit of data that proves that a lot of students throw away their food without eating it. So if we substitute unhealthy foods for foods that are healthy, but just give a smaller portion that is suggested. Uh, wouldn't that be healthier than the system we have in place now? Well, I would definitely suggest that if you're going to eat unhealthy foods, that you do eat smaller portions. But I also don't think that that is the answer at school or at home, for that matter. You asked earlier about the number of calories in a school lunch. 
That is just one requirement that we must meet with the USDA. We also have to track sodium, fat. We have to provide fruits and vegetables every day, and those fruits and vegetables need to come from five different fruit and vegetable subgroups. That means every week we need to have a dark green vegetable, a red-orange vegetable, a bean slash pea, a starchy vegetable, and finally there's this other category that the USDA puts in place. Um, the reason we do this is to make sure that you get all your different vitamins and minerals that are important in growth and development. Um, if the only goal we had to meet was a calorie goal, then your strategy may be, may be an effective one. But calories are only one small part of this, and we want to provide a complete healthy diet so students are prepared to learn. Um, it is one of the things that we, we always are looking to introduce new foods to you at school and try different things, but we're always trying to balance what are your favorites versus uh, what's new and what would you try. So you'll see different things come and go, and, and we see how they work, and we, um, we like to do that. Uh, but we also know that in the long run, uh, chicken and pizza will probably be the most popular thing in schools as long as um, any of us are here. So we look to make those as healthy as we can for you as well. Yes. So if we keep the um, vegetables and fruits in the lunches, but just change like the main like proteins and like uh, carbs, wouldn't that also work? So it depends what you're changing them to, I guess, right? Uh, if you're changing them, you know, yes. things like things like a uh, a grilled chicken that's baked or a baked chicken um, would certainly be a good product. If we're switching it to fried chicken, that wouldn't be the answer. Um, there'd be too much fat and it wouldn't necessarily meet our nutritional requirements and it wouldn't be the best thing for our students. So, um, it, it again, it, it all depends on what you're switching them to. We... Uh, we have a student survey that's available um, that students can take that's on our website, um, and there should be a link in your cafeteria. If there isn't, we'll make sure there is. Um, so there is a survey where we like to get student feedback because we do like to change things that meet student needs. I agree 100% that there is no nutrition gained if students are throwing things in the trash can. So our biggest trick is to find nutritional items that students like and will eat. Um, and keep in mind, we're doing that for 50,000 students. So what a student here might like or might not like, a student maybe on the other side of town might love. So we're constantly balancing that as well with um, our different communities and our different cultures within our different schools. Yes, and I agree with you 100% on that. So another question we have is, how does sleep affect nutrition? So lack of sleep um, can affect your hunger-related hormones. Um, and, and it's really pretty simple. If you don't get enough sleep, it can cause overeating and increased cravings for many non-nutrient-rich foods. You could have cravings for sodium or for salt, uh, for fats, for sugars. Um, and again, what you want to put in your body is nutrient-rich foods. Um, a way to describe that is foods that have lots of vitamins, minerals, um, as opposed to foods that don't. You know, chips and soda have calories, but there aren't a lot of nutrients within those foods. 
Um, so absolutely, you got to get your eight hours of sleep at night. By getting your eight hours of sleep at night, it makes it so that those hormones don't react um, and it decreases the cravings for those non-nutrient rich foods. Yes. Now, our last question is, what health issues are associated with malnutrition? So, one thing about malnutrition. In the United States, more children suffer from malnutrition due to dietary imbalances than due to nutritional deficiencies. So, what I mean by that is that children typically get enough food to eat it's often not the right food. So if you're looking at it from a pure calorie standpoint, children often get enough calories, which drives our childhood obesity. Um, But they often aren't getting enough of the right vitamins and minerals uh, to support growth and development. In many communities here in Columbus, um, and I'm sure you've seen this at different places, it can be difficult to find items like fresh fruits and vegetables. But it's easy to find things like soda and chips and cookies. Um, So that's one of the things I know the city itself is working on to improve access to those types of foods throughout our community. Um, Again, you want to not provide those empty calories. Um, With Columbus City Schools, uh, one of the first things I noticed when I started here, and I've been here for almost 15 years, is that a hungry student isn't prepared to learn in the classroom. A professional athlete pays attention to everything they put into their body because they know it can affect the way they do their job. Students should be the same way. Putting the best food into your body allows you to perform your best in the classroom. Um, Ultimately, back to your question, though, ultimately malnutrition can cause people to be shorter in stature, thinner in frame, and a weakened immune system. So you can miss more school. Um, And if you're missing more school, it's hard to learn. Um, So again, you want to get enough calories, but you want to get the right calories uh, to make sure that you're best prepared to learn in the classroom. Yes. So that is all the time we have for today. Thank you, Mr. Brown, for joining us. As always, I'm your host, Timothy Walsh, and I hope you turn in next time.